Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. I'm super excited about Smog. I will explain this in a minute. There is nothing to worry about. And uh, at least I am safe. And so um, I'll explain this in a minute. But let me just talk about Single Moms Oil Change. First of all, it's a great event. And the, the coolest thing is, is that it's becoming a community-wide event, not just a journey event, which I'm very, very excited about. We will always be the sponsors of it. But um, we have uh, Cal Fire, who's bringing 12 people to help change oil and uh, those kinds of things. I'm, I'm working on some VPD op- connections, but um, just great opportunities for people to serve. And we have 82 ladies already signed up to uh, have their oil changed, and we're shooting for 120. So let's pray for that. And uh, here's what we need most. We need volunteers. We, we have volunteer opportunities uh, for everyone. And so if you're not skilled, it doesn't matter. We can put you in places that don't take the, the, the mechanic skill, but you can, maybe you can connect with uh, kids. Maybe you can help with security. Maybe you can help with all kinds of different options and opportunities, but we need everybody involved. We need the entire church to be involved. I believe that uh, we wouldn't be shy of 100 to 120 volunteers to help this happen would be a great thing. I mean, that would be amazing. And so I want to encourage you, uh, as you walk out today, there are sign-up sheets out there, and there's opportunities that you can look at on the, on the sheets out there, and just get involved. Make it a day that you plan on giving yourself and your energy and everything to our community. It's a great, great thing. We have Napa uh, Auto Parts. We have uh, Jay's Automotive, Dylan's Automotive. We have uh, Olive Garden. We have Pizza Man Dan's. We have all these other things, all these other people that are getting involved. And uh, it's just really, really cool. And so I encourage you to be there. It's going to be a busy, crazy, chaotic day, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And so uh, if you... Like, you could vacuum cars out, right? Can you do that? All right, those are commitments right there. And so, um, <clears throat> very good. Well, today, I, uh, we're, we're continuing the series, Armed and Dangerous. And, and being armed and dangerous is not being literally dangerous, other than the, the whole goal is to be dangerous in the eyes of the enemy, the devil, right? Amen? And so... Uh, to, today, we're going to talk about the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. The Kevlar, the Jesus Kevlar, if you will. Um, and, and what it takes to, to fend off the attacks of the enemy. That's what this whole series is about. We want to equip the church to, do, uh, to be able to uh, fend off the, the schemes of the devil, is what the Bible says. And so we're going to do that. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you a good person? Are you a good person? Or maybe I should say it this way. Are you a righteous person? Okay. I'm, I'm going to make a confession. I am not. I am not. And the way I know this is when my thoughts go crazy. I was at Costco the other day. And I already made this confession. <clears throat> I was at Costco, and um, I pray before I go into Costco, because I know what I'm going to face when I get there, and it happened. This lady 
Stops right next to the little snack thing, the taste, taste and see thing. And she stops right in the middle of the aisle. I'm trying to go the opposite direction she is. She puts her cart right in the middle and gets a little hot pocket thing or whatever it is. And she's sitting there tasting it. And she's blocking the entire aisle. There's people behind her. I'm in front of her. And um, in my mind, in my mind, I just want to run that cart over. And I mean, I'm just being real with you. I, I, I go through these every single time I go to Costco. It's like, well, I'm, I'm just going there to be tried and tormented and tortured. And the enemy is going to throw all these darts at me and he's going to put all these thoughts in my head. And, and uh, I'm like, well, Ricardo, that is not you. It's not. But unfortunately, I was, in the, I was driving the other day and this car was in the fast lane going slow. And I was in the fast lane trying to go fast. And I wanted to go faster than the person in the fast lane. And I wanted to, you know, get, pull in the slow lane and say, and yell out the window, hey, you're in the fast lane. Um, that wouldn't have been right. It's these thoughts that come into my head. I mean, do you have them? I mean, it, one of the most challenging measurements of our righteousness is when we leave here and try and drive out of the parking lot or, you know. I mean, some church parking lots are just as evil as anything else in this world. It's scary. You know, I just met with Jesus, but, uh, you know. And, <laughs> Sometimes I find myself lying when babies are born. Because some babies aren't cute. <laughs> and what goes through my mind just after they're born is like, just gave birth to an alien, you know. <clears throat> and so I lie. I'm not, I'm not a good person when it comes to those moments where I have to go, that is, that's a baby, <laughs> you know. I don't want to lie. I don't want to say, oh, that baby's so cute. Of course, all of my grandchildren came out perfect. That's not actually true. One of my grandchildren came out and I was like, oh no. I hope God fixes that head that just, because it was like, it was scary. And I can say that now because my, my daughter acknowledges that it was like, oh, 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 wait. Of course, I said he was the cutest baby of all. Even during worship, you can have these bad moments, right? If, if you've been around church long enough, do you remember the transparency guys? When they had like this transparency machine and you put these transparencies on top of the machine and then the, it would cast the music. And, and most often you would only get the, the, the most willing individual but not the most capable to put those on in time for you to know which song you're singing. And then they'd put it on backwards or upside down. We are so blessed to have a really, really good, um, Scott is our, our guy that does the slides upstairs and he does a fabulous job. <clears throat> and our, our tech team, our production team, rarely gets the credit they deserve because it's amazing. It's amazing what they do and it's the quality that they, they provide, the graphics, all those kinds of things. You guys do a great, great job. But you can lose your salvation during worship when 
There's words that Leanna is singing and you don't know what they are because they're not there. Now, that doesn't happen here, but it used to happen with the transparency guy. I remember being a pastor and I remember just getting so like, whoa, and, and I lose my salvation before I preach and it's just not good. And then sitting next to people who can't sing sometimes. It all depends on what goes in your head. I mean, these thoughts come to your mind, right? When you're, you're hearing, ah, 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 ah. And, and you're like, man, Jesus, take them home. Take them home. I think my worst ever non-righteous reality check is when I go to Chuck E. Cheese. I, I think Chuck E. Cheese is a production of the devil. I, I, think, I think that little mouse came from the devil. And that restaurant is not good for any Christian to go to because that place is total chaos. It's total craziness. It's annoying. It's, it costs a lot of money for... And if you work at Chuck E. Cheese, I'm sorry. Um, you'll probably never come back here. I'm super glad that I am not the model of righteousness for anybody, myself included, that Jesus is our model. We have this, this thing, our strategy at, at Journey, and our strategy is just four simple words. It's, it's we meet on Sundays for inspiration. We model our lives after the like, life and likeness of Christ. We mingle in groups, and then we merge into the lives of those that have yet to discover God's love, grace, and forgiveness. And the, the, the word model is that second word, and, and really what our goal is is not to create our own righteousness, but to create and to, to develop in us the likeness and life of Jesus. And if we can do that, then there is a power that happens in a church that is incredible. And the church elevates to a level of productivity and success and effectiveness in our world when we are able to not be ourselves holy, but to be holy in Christ. The Bible says we need to have the righteousness of God in us. And so today we're going to take a look at um, not our own goodness. Because I'm, I'm just being real with you. If it was up to my righteousness, there's no measure that I could achieve to be right. I would have to isolate myself. I'd have to become a monk to try and be perfect. And then I would get frustrated being alone. You know, and it wouldn't go well there either. I would be frustrated with myself. I would get mad at myself. I'd want to run myself over with a, a grocery cart. I mean, it's, it's, that, it's that bad. And I'll explain why in just a little bit because the Bible tells us that nobody is righteous. Even our good works are not good. And so how do we understand this whole perspective of the breastplate of righteousness and and fending off the devil's schemes. And how do we get beyond that? I, I don't know if you're like me, but I have these crazy thoughts enter in my head and all of a sudden I realize how much I need Jesus and how much I need his righteousness in my life and how much I need the armor of God, the armor that we're talking about right now. Ephesians 6, 10 says this, be, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. So the whole goal of putting on armor is to fend off the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our, our, our biggest adversary, our biggest foe, the one who wants to steal, kill, and destroy our life is the devil. And everything in the spiritual world is out there to the, on, the, on the devil's side is to steal, kill, and destroy our lives. And if we don't have the protection that it takes and the tools that it takes to win the battle, we will lose it. We will lose it. And in, in America, we're learning that as a culture, we're losing the battle because we've removed the armor from our country and the only way to regain or to, the only way to win as individuals, as a church, and as a country is to put that armor on. And so we have to do that. And so verse 13 says, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, which it will, you may be able, because you're going to go to Costco, you're going to jump into the parking lot, you're going to go drive, you're going to see that baby and have to tell the truth. <clears throat> so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. We want at the end of the battle to be the ones shouting in victory. That's what we want. So then verse 14 says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around you. We learned that that in today's vernacular, that would be the girdle of truth or the spanks of truth, um, the shapewear of truth, um, whatever you want to call it. It's the, the girdle of truth that you put around you, that truth that, that establishes who God is and who you are. And when you can have that truth, it's protective and it puts you in shape for with the battle, and it allows you to fight the, the, the falsehood with truth. And then it says, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So today we're going to talking about this breastplate of righteousness. I, when I go on ride-alongs, I, I wear this vest. I'll usually wear it under uh, my, my shirt, but today just for the illustration purposes I'm wearing it above but this is the Kevlar that I would wear as I'm hanging out with officers last night I got a call at 10 30 at night didn't get to bed until 1 30 um, because of uh, a death in uh, on the Ave and uh, I didn't wear this and when I saw that it was on the Ave I was like oh I should have brought my my vest so sometimes you just never know what can happen because I want to be protected I want to have this, this protection. And what the, the, the vest is the, the, the one that covers all your vital organs, or most of them at least, with the exception of your head. And there you have a helmet that we will talk about later. But it says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness. And I want to set this term up right from the very beginning. Righteousness is not religiosity. Just because you are here today does not make you a good person. You've heard the illustration, just because I'm standing in a garage doesn't make me a car. Right? I mean, hopefully you can amen that. Okay? Just because you're somewhere that represents something doesn't make you that thing. And we have to be careful to understand that religiosity is an effort to be religious. 
It's an effort to look a certain way, but not necessarily having the heart to, to match it. And so we have to be careful when we talk about righteousness. We're not just talking about righteous deeds or deeds that you do to gain God's approval or to be approved by God. That's not what happens. And nor can we um, uh, do something to make God love us less or more. Because the Bible says that there's nothing that can separate us. We sang about it today. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. In fact, the Bible says he died for us while we were still sinners. He demonstrated his love. So his love is so deep that it can't change our deeds, our actions, nothing. Sin or right deeds cannot change how much God loves us. That's amazing. That is cool. That is amazing. That's the, the one truth that helped change my life from understanding that I need to stop being religious and have a relationship with God. And so what is the breastplate of righteousness? What is it? In, in, the, in these days, again, Paul is sitting in prison. He's hanging out with all these soldiers. They're likely wearing the breastplate of righteousness while he's chained to them. And he's looking at them, trying to illustrate the things that we need to succeed in life, to win over the devil's schemes. And so he's looking at their breastplate. And quite often, it was either a full piece of metal or it was what is called a coat of mail. And that coat of mail would be interlinking chains. And those chains would be interlinked to the degree that if a sword was to try and pierce it, or a knife, or a... Uh, uh, well, those would be the two main tools that they would use in, that, in that, those days. Um, those would be the things that would protect the vital organs of the soldier. And so, and they would wear it on the back. Sometimes it was a complete coat. Other times it was like this. And so it covers everything but, and gives you freedom in your arms. Of course, they would have different um, protections for their arms and their shoulders and all that kind of st stuff. But righteousness is our coat of mail. Righteousness is what protects us from the darts or the accusations or the efforts of the enemy to say that we're not righteous. It's a powerful reality that if we will understand that we are righteous in Jesus, not in ourselves, but in Jesus, that we have the righteousness of God in us, and I'll, I'll define that in just a minute, but it's powerful and one of the things that the enemy is going to try and do for you and for me all the time is accuse us of not being righteous. And if he can get us to believe that, then he can get us to believe that we're not worthy of heaven. We're not worthy of a relationship with God. We're not worthy of all these things. And in, in reality, that is true. Without Christ, we are not worthy of any of it. But with Christ, we are worthy of all of it. And so I wear this righteousness, and because of this righteousness, which is God's, I am able to have a relationship with God. I'm able to go into the throne room boldly and pray to him and ask him and address him and, and where, where it couldn't be done before. This righteousness allows me to acknowledge that I do have a relationship and a destiny that I, have, I can put my faith in. And so it's essential that we put on the breastplate of righteousness. So what is this righteousness? What is this, this nature that we are given? Let me give you a, 
kind of the beginning of it, which is a legal perspective. There's a, a, a righteousness that happens when we are uh, obedient to the law or the righteousness that's required to get into heaven is perfection. That may discourage you. But that's why Jesus had to become the substitute. Here's, here's a, an example of, of what we are powerless to do, but Jesus was powerful to do. In Romans 8, it says this, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because of the breastplate. Because of him we are righteous. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set us free from the law of sin and death. So the very things that condemn those that sin, Jesus overcame by the law of the Spirit, the Spirit of grace, the Spirit of forgiveness, the Spirit of righteousness that he brought into our lives. Verse 3 is the, is the key here. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, we could not obey the law. The law was given to give us boundaries. The law was given to give us uh, uh, ways to acknowledge God and to have a relationship with him. But we were imperfect. We weakened the law or it was powerless because of our weak flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So his righteousness is the only thing that enables us to have a relationship with Jesus or with God. And, and that what Jesus did on the cross is the very thing. And he lived a perfect life. Without him living a perfect life, he could not have been the sin sacrifice for our sins. But because he did live a perfect life, we can have our sins forgiven. And he was able to become the perfect sacrifice for that. So perfect obedience to the law or a law is, is what is required to be righteous. And we, didn't, we don't have that. We can't achieve it. If you are here trying to achieve God's approval for your life, it won't happen. I'm not discouraging you from church attendance. I just want you to know that there is not a single act. You could not give enough. You could not attend enough. You could not read enough. You could not sing enough. You could not uh, serve enough. You could not do any of that to make yourself worthy of a relationship with God or heaven. Only Jesus can, make, can open that door. Only Jesus can give us that opportunity. Everybody okay? All right. And so the legal perspective is if there's perfection, then you're in. But if there's not, you're out. A person acting in perfect compliance to the law. This is another requirement, but 2 Corinthians 5.21 says there's only one person that could do that. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. These are legal perspectives. You obey the entire law, or you become the perfect, the person that's in com perfect compliance. And, excuse me, the only person that is in perfect compliance is Jesus. He had no sin. For you and me, that's not true. The crazy thing is the failure to, do, to, to break one part of the law 
means that we are completely breaking every other part of the law. In James chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. That's crazy. So no matter how hard we try to be righteous, no matter how hard we make an effort to do all the right things, if we just make one small mistake, we've, made, we've broken the whole big picture. And that's true of all of us. And, and if you haven't made that mistake, um, I'm praying for you. Because I think you need to admit that there's a reality in your life that you're not admitting. Or maybe there's pride that's keeping you from saying, God, I'm a sinner. And I'm going to pray that God breaks that down. Because we are, none of us can achieve the legal description of righteousness. We, none of us can be perfect. And because of that, we need God's grace. So why do we need something other than our own righteousness? Because we're all sinners. It's it's, it's simple statement in Scripture. In, in Romans chapter three, it says, "This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe." So there's a righteousness available to us, but it takes us believing in Jesus. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. That word "all" means all. The Greek meaning of the word "all" means all. The depth, the commentary meaning of the word means all. Everybody in this room has made a mistake that separated us from a relationship with God. Every one of us. And I'm not trying to preach you down. I'm not trying to make you, insult you. I'm, I'm just saying simply that none of us have done anything uh, or have not done the, the, the right, we've not done the right things And as a result, whether it's a thought, whether it's an action, it's a sin. And I know that's tough to hear sometimes. And I know sometimes that gets in the way of our pride. And I know some of us feel good about ourselves, and you should, about the good things that you do, but not because they are worthy of getting you into heaven. It only takes one thing to disqualify us. We okay? Okay. I had a lot of big amens on that. I get that. The other reason we need God's righteousness and not our own is because nothing we do good is even good enough. Listen to this passage in Isaiah 64, verse 6. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins Sweep us away. All of our good deeds are not good enough. Have you ever found yourself doing something good and then you realize that you did the good not because of the person that you're doing the good for but because you want to feel good about yourself? That's not righteousness. That's not Jesus. Jesus says, I'm going to serve because I care about you, not because I care what you think of me. Or what reward I'm going to get. Or what I'm going to get back from that. It's crazy. And so we need a righteousness that's far bigger than we are. Far greater than we are. We need someone who can step in. And that righteousness comes from Jesus. And there's two things that apply to this idea of righteousness in our lives. And I'll try and share that with you quickly. 
The first kind of righteousness or the way we receive this righteousness is what is called an imputed righteousness. An imputed righteousness. I know that sounds like I'm getting sick. Um, might take some Pepto-Bismol for this. But imputed righteousness is an, another word for that is justification. God gives us righteousness. He just gives it. He, 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 it's not impartation, it's imputation. It's, it's a process, it's a legal process that says, I, I am assigning you righteousness. It's not even something we receive. It's something he calls us. And we become because of what Christ does in us. When we put this shield on, it's an imputed righteousness that gives us a title of God's kid. We are heirs of Christ. We are, we are, are equal in the, in the sense of sonship or daughtership with, with Christ. And all of a sudden, we go from a, a separated relationship with God to a child of the king. That's imputation. That, that's when, when God says, I, you are now my child, I, he is imputing to us Righteousness. In other words, he no longer sees us as someone who has sin in our lives. He sees us as someone who is righteous. And that's who we are. We go from bankrupt to rich. We go from an enemy of God to child of God. When we receive Christ and we receive his righteousness, it's one of the most powerful truths that we need to embrace. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. We become it. We don't have it. It's not something we just take. It's something we become. It's something we have that, that, that we're labeled as now. There's my righteous son. There's my righteous daughter. That's how God sees us. When we accept Jesus Christ into our lives. And that breastplate is applied to our lives. It's something that we put on. It's something that we have. And it's, it becomes our label. And I know labels are not popular in today's world. But that's the label that we all want, right? We want to have justification. I love the word. Uh, you may, may have heard it before. Justification simply means just as if we'd never sinned. So now we're back to the original design of what humanity was intended to be, and that was to be without sin. Romans 3, 21 and 22 says, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God had been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. We all receive or we all are called righteousness, the righteousness of God because of Jesus Christ in our lives. So we are imputed or labeled or assigned the title of righteousness. That's powerful. That's a reality we can live in. And then secondly, this righteousness is imparted to us. Not imputed, but imparted to us. It's given to us. So this righteousness is we become sanctified. Listen to this passage in 1 Corinthians. It says, To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. We are sanctified. Now this word is super uh, powerful. It's, it's a little bit deep, but it simply means this. It's the process of becoming holy. Or another, another way of saying sanctified is you're being set apart for a purpose. 
And Jesus, when, when we accept Christ and we put on the breastplate of righteousness, now we have a reason to go do things that are holy. And God gives us the power to do them. In, in, in other words, holiness becomes not something we're trying to achieve, but an expression of our relationship. And when we grow up, it's like, and I say this often, and I'll keep saying it because I think it's something we have to embrace, is that a tree doesn't just go, I'm going to push out apples, you know, and get all determined about apples. No, an apple tree takes in nourishment, and then the fruit of that tree becomes apples. It's the same with a Christian. When we embrace the righteousness of Christ out of us, comes righteousness and it's a process because how many know none of us in this room are perfect but some of you are more mature than you were when you started some of you got stuff that you're still hanging on to some of you you got stuff that still comes out and like you know me at Costco or whatever the case may be someday hopefully I'll grow out of my Costco weirdness but hopefully we're all growing. We're all in a process. We're all getting to that point where we're becoming more. That's why I would expect that if you are a long-term Christian, you are far more like Christ than when you started. But if you're not, then you should be disappointed that today you're still sucking on a bottle and not eating steak or carne asada. We should, we should be disappointed in that. We should be, if you're not active in the church, after you've been in the church for a long period of time, you should be disappointed. It's good preaching, pastor. We have to grow up. And that's what sanctification is. That's what it being imparted or having holiness imparted to us. We are receiving and receiving and, and then it becomes an expression of who we are. And so sanctification is... I've been saved, I'm being saved, and I will be saved. That's kind of the way it works. It's, it's the past, the present, and the future. All put in one. It's, it's a process. And so today, I encourage you and, and to, to kind of examine your heart and say, is sanctification really happening in my life? Am I becoming more and more like Jesus? That's why our simple strategy to meet on Sundays for inspiration, model, we want to become like the life and likeness of Jesus Christ. And if we're not becoming like that, instead of measuring how many people are in this room, we should be measuring how much more like Jesus are we. That's the success of a church. Not how many gather, but how many become like Jesus. And, I, and my, my inference to that is, is if we're becoming more and more like Jesus, then we're going to grow. Amen? Because we're excited about the God we serve. Yeah, we're excited about the God we serve. We're excited about the Jesus who we're becoming like, who, whose only mission was to come and seek and save the world. And so the more we're becoming more like Jesus, the more sanctified we become. Ephesians 4, 17 says this. <clears throat> you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is the impartation. We are to become more and more like Jesus as we grow. And we're to put off the old stuff and put on the new stuff. And that means we put on the armor of God. 
So first of all, I want to encourage you, if you doubted who you are this morning, and you came in and you're thinking, I, I'm not righteous, I'm not, and you have Jesus in your heart, that's a lie from the pit of hell. You are righteous, and that's how God imputed, gave you a title that has changed your life. You are now a new creation because you are a child of the king. You're no longer an enemy of God. You are a child of the king. Let's live that way, amen? Amen. And let's believe that we are becoming more and more and more like him every single day. As we wear this breastplate, the label on the breastplate is child of the king, made righteous by Jesus, holy, sanctified, set apart, for a purpose to be used by God. This breastplate will attack every, or will fend off every arrow of the enemy. Why? Because the truth rests in this, not in the arrow that's being shot at us. And so I want to encourage you today, let's win. Let's put on this breastplate of righteousness. Let's fend off the attacks of the enemy. And when we do, we will become more and more like Jesus every day, serving him, loving people around us, serving and giving all those things that play into who we are as Christians who Jesus is will become part of who we are and I'm excited about that let's pray God I thank you so much that you have called us children of the king that today we have been imputed this gift we've been given this opportunity to to not just uh think we're religious or righteous but we are righteous because we are now a child of the king we went from an enemy of God to a child of the king you give us a title you impute to us a title of righteousness not because of our own but because of the cross that 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 we believe in because of the work that Jesus did on that cross and because of the resurrection that defeated death hell and the grave we are children of God and I thank you and I praise you for that I pray for those that have doubts about that today, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will mightily and powerfully encourage all of those that have accepted Jesus. We've made mistakes. We do the wrong things on occasions, but it does not cancel out who we are. So, Lord, I pray that you you put in the hearts of people today a joy, a confidence, a courage to know that they are a child of the King. And I thank you and I praise you for that. And Lord, forgive us for not growing up. The whole purpose of sanctification, the whole purpose of setting us apart uh, for your purpose is that we would grow and become more and more like you every day. And I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would rest in our hearts and help us, Lord, today to not think of ourselves in terms of, of our mistakes, but help us think in terms of our successes and our growth, and our maturity, and that every day we are making less mistakes than the day before. And Lord, if we're not, help us to grow out of those things. And I pray your blessing on those that are feeling condemned or guilty or shamed. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that your righteousness would rise up in our lives and that we would grow to become more and more like you every single day. Thank you for sanctifying us. Thank you for justifying us. And Lord, we declare today that we are children of the King, determined to live out the life and likeness of Jesus in our hearts. 
Maybe you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe today you're here and you realize that you have yet to make that step into becoming a believer in Jesus Christ. And to put on this righteousness, not your own, but the righteousness of Christ. And if that's you today and you want to accept Christ, if you're online or if you're here on site, I just want to pray for you. And I want to ask God right now to, to, to just give you that sense of you going from being an enemy of God to a child of the King. That's what happens when he imputes his righteousness into your life. He gives you a title, a new title. You're a new creature in Christ. Let me pray with you. And you can repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I confess that I've made mistakes that have separated me from you. And today I ask for your forgiveness. And because of what you did on the cross, because you died on the cross, you have forgiven me of my sins. You've cleansed me from every mistake I've made. And today I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And Jesus, I believe that you were raised from the dead and that you defeated death, hell, and the grave. And that is my hope that I will spend eternity with you. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. Amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.